Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome to the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by Bet Online. I'm Dennis Ackerman. We'll be joined by my co-host, former Raider great Stanford Route. Stan, we know Raider Nation is not feeling good after falling to 0-3 with Sunday's loss to the Titans, 24-22. Stan, did you ever start 0-3 in your career? And if you did, how did you guys bounce back from it? Uh, let me see. I think we did, uh, and we didn't bounce back from it. Uh, let me just go ahead and answer that. I want to say 2006, we went 2-14 and 14 oh, that sure. year. We beat the Cardinals and the Steelers, Steelers I believe. Yep. So we had to have come out the gate at least 0-4 because we didn't play them in September. Gotcha. So, uh, so to answer your question, yes, yes, yes. I, I've, I've, uh, I've had an 0-3 start before, yes. Stan, what do you make of the Raiders' 0-3 start? I mean, it seems like every week they just find a new way to lose. Yeah, I think that uh, it just goes back to basically the same issues that we that we foresaw coming into the season as far as the offensive line. They didn't shore that up. They did not address that. They did not address the the secondary as far as at least as good as they should have. And then also, we all know that Devontae Adams is one of the top receivers in the league. We all know that. We all know that Hunter Renfro is a great slot receiver. We all know that uh, Darren Waller is a top-notch tight end. Let's say you put him third or fourth at worst in the NFL right now. So we we know that. We know that Max Crosby had a great year last year, deservedly so. That's why he got the big contract. We know that Chandler Jones has had an illustrious career throughout his time with the Patriots, the Cardinals, and now the Raiders. We all know that. The one thing that we don't quite know, the same way that you're sure Monday comes after Sunday, is Derek Carr. That, to me, is always going to be the question mark on this team. You talk to many people within Raider Nation, fans, even people within the building, things like that. That's always the question. You know the talent is there because we remember the 2016 season had an NFL MVP vote. They went 12-4. and four. Uh, They went to the, uh, what was it, the uh, uh, second round? Wild Wait, cards, lost in the wild card to the Texans. Lost in the wild card to the Houston Texans. I remember, yeah, like, geez, like, it's man, it just all kind of runs together after a while. So, but then it seemed like everything just kind of did a nosedive because obviously Derek Carr got hurt in that game against the Indianapolis Colts Christmas weekend. And then everything just kind of did a nosedive after that. As far as his career, obviously he was still putting up good numbers, but not to the level that he was in that 2016 season. And so even when the Raiders are playing well, you kind of just hold your breath. And I say that because Derek Carr will have a string of good games. And just when you get to the point to where you feel like you're sure he's going to play well, the same way that you're sure Monday comes after Sunday, that's when he'll put up a stinker. Like last week, last year against the Washington Commanders or against the New York Giants, you know, certain games like that, the Cincinnati Bengals. And so that to me is going to be the ultimate question mark on this team. Can he lead this barrage of receivers that we all know can play? We all know that these pass rushers, they got to get their tail going, but I'm pretty sure that they will as the season goes on. But to me, the ultimate question mark, and that's why I would have waited till the end of this season to pay him. He's going to be the ultimate question mark, and that's Derek Carr. Yeah, we're going to get to Derek Carr. I'm going to ask you more about that in one second. But, you know, to me, Stan, I mean, the defense gave up way too many points early on against the Titans. To me, the offense still can't get out of its own way. I mean, Devontae Adams was an afterthought. For the second straight week. I mean, Carr continuing through to Mac Hollins, Keelan Cole in the fourth quarter. 
Stan, how does the best wide receiver in the NFL have less than 50 yards from scrimmage the last two games? I mean, I question Josh McDaniel's play calling, which is supposed to be a strength. The offensive line, they've used this combination that the staff thinks is so great. That's not really working. I mean, to me, Stan, in all likelihood, the Raiders have stumbled into an uh, insurmountable hole and are headed towards a disappointing finish. Let me ask you this. Uh, I want to go back to Devontae Adams. This kind of ties into Derek Carr as well. Is it more on the Derek Carr to get the ball to Devontae Adams? Is it more on Josh McDaniels? Because I stand, I think it was either, what, 2009 or 2010, when Hugh Jackson was the Raiders' offensive coordinator. Darren McFadden, mm -hmm. who was the best offensive player for the Raiders, he was the focal and centerpiece of that offense, and I just don't find yeah. that right now with Devontae Adams. So who's to blame? Is it Carr? Is it McDaniels? Is it both? I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think Josh McDaniels has to go ahead and uh, find ways to get uh, Devontae Adams the football. He has to find ways to kind of get him going early. But also at the same time, when have we ever seen Derek Carr go and feature somebody repeatedly over and over and over? We haven't really seen that. So that's why, once again, when this, when this, when this acquisition was made, the Raiders made this trade for uh, Devontae Adams out of uh, getting him from the Green Bay Packers. That's where I remember thinking to myself, I remember uh, Devontae Adams had how, how many receiving yards last year off the top of your head? Do you, do you know? I know well over 1,000. I don't know the exact number, but I know it was over 1,000. Yeah. He had over 100 catches it, as well. And he had a lot of targets. Well, Derek Carr is not one to just target somebody over and over and over again. He's not one to do that. Now, obviously, you see Devontae Adams had a lot of targets in week one. And that's why he had a lot of yards, a lot of catches against the Los Angeles Chargers. But that's not something that Derek Carr does repeatedly. That's just not really part of his game. And so because of that, that's why I knew coming into the Raiders, I always I already knew Devontae Adams was going to see a depression in some of his targets, his numbers. Now, he's still going to play well enough to go to the Pro Bowl in the AFC and all that. But the same production at that high clip that you saw in Green Bay, I did not foresee that happening with the Las Vegas Raiders. And maybe he didn't either. But to, uh, but to your point, when you ask that question of who's it on, I think it's on both. I think Derek Carr probably a little bit more because that's your college teammate. That's your buddy. You need to find ways to get him the ball, even if it's checking at the line of scrimmage, calling an audible, something like that. Get him going early. So I would put that more on Derek Carr than I would at Josh McDaniels. But Josh McDaniels is not absolved completely in this in this debacle early on uh, as well. But once again, like I said, to your point, when you ask, well, Stanford, how does a star receiver like Devontae Adams get less than 50 yards receiving in the last two games? Well, for one, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders are not playing. They're not running routes on air. They're going against the defense of the Tennessee Titans. They're going against the defense of the Arizona Cardinals. And my point that I'm trying to make now, neither one of those two teams is a juggernaut on the defense side of the ball. But my point, what I'm trying to make is you can roll coverages. You can double team. You can do things like that. And, oh, yeah, if Derek Carr didn't have much time to throw, it's really, really hard for him to let something develop after a three-step drop into the five- and seven-step drop. So I think that there's a multitude of reasons as to why Devontae Adams is not getting the same level of touches and targets and yards as he was in Green Bay. But also, I would say this, everything present, everything optimally assembled for the Las Vegas Raiders with a great offensive line and all of that, I still would not see Devontae Adams having the level of production he had in Green Bay because D Derek Carr is not going to feed him over and over and over again the same way Aaron Rodgers did.
Well, on Wednesday, head coach Josh McDaniels, he met with the media, and here's what he had to say about the lack of productivity from Devontae Adams over the last couple of weeks. Look, there's one ball. There's five skill players. Um, you know, usually uh, four or five of them are in the read somehow, some way, uh, unless they're just full-time in protection. Um, Devontae would always be involved in the, the read part of that. Um, sometimes he's the first one. Sometimes he's the second. He's very rarely the third, fourth, or fifth, but sometimes it is what it is based on the coverage. Um, and so, again, we've seen a lot of different things in three weeks, um, m- much of which may not have showed up in the scouting report based on the way a team played someone else. So I'd say one of the things that's um, a new experience for everyone is when you, when you create a report, a scouting report for an opponent, you can only look at what they've done against someone else. Now, you can guess what they're going to do against you, but that's, you know, you're shooting in the dark there. Um, so one of the things that's really been interesting, and I've experienced this a couple other times in my life, is that, you know, the scouting report almost takes a, you know, a right or a left turn at the beginning of the game because a team decides to do something dramatically different than maybe what they did against two or three opponents prior to your game. And so I think that, you know, getting used to that, being able to adjust to it um, and still be productive. And again, a good example would be Holland's, you know, has more opportunities because of certain things that maybe someone did to try to effectively take someone else away. Um, you know, Darren was doubled a number of times the other day. Devante was as well. Hunter's been doubled this year uh, multiple times. Um, so you, you, you can't necessarily predict it. Uh, which is why what we try to always preach is the most important thing we can do is read the defense because if you're going to just assume that one guy is going to be open or, you know, I have to throw it here, um, again, the defense always has a vote in that and they get to determine how they're going to try to cover you. So I don't think um, anyone's trying to do anything, um, you know, other than move the football and score points. Uh, sometimes, you know, a double may occur and it may look to somebody else like, well, he was still open. There might be two or three guys that were more open. And so that's part of the process. So, um, we've talked openly to Derek and Devante about this, you know, and like I said, I've gone through this with a few other players, you know, before where you just have to get used to how you're getting played. Um, because it's, it's not the same as what you see on the scouting report or what you see on the tape as you get ready for the game. So, um, I have no issue with either one of those two guys. They're trying their very best to do the right things always, um, and they'll continue to do that as we go forward. Stan, here's another little nugget I want you to chew on for a second. The teams that have beat the Raiders are 0-6 in, in their other games, getting outscored by more than 16 points per game. And let me ask you this, Stan. I was mm-hmm. having this discussion with a friend of mine, and he goes, look at the goes, the Raiders – don't have a lot of tough games coming up on their schedule. I could see them being seven and four. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. If you're winless and you're 0-3, aren't all these games hard that are coming up on your schedule? I mean, yeah, but I'd much rather be playing against teams that don't have winning records rather than playing against somebody like the Miami Dolphins right now or playing some like somebody like the, the Los Angeles Rams or, you know, somebody like that. I'd much rather be playing against a team that is one and two rather than two and one or three and oh. So I definitely understand 
the sentiment that was made with that statement. But doesn't it alarm you that these teams that the Raiders are losing to, Stan, they're 0-6 in their other games, and they're losing by an average of 16, and the Raiders can't even beat this team? I mean, they're losing Chargers. that came down to the final drive. They're losing overtime after blowing a 20-point lead to the Cardinals. And my goodness, I mean, the defense is just so check, Jekyll and Hyde. They give up 24 in the first half to the Titans and then pitch a shutout. And, and then they have a chance once again to, to tie it on at the very end, and they still can't come through. Well, you asked that question. Well, it'd be much worse if the Raiders were getting blown out by all three of these teams, and they weren't. So that's one silver lining you can take. It's a small one, but that's it one is. silver lining you can take. But I think that um, – I think the Raiders, they have the talent to match up with the better teams. They just got to put it all together. That, to me, is uh, is more incumbent of the situation rather than the latter, which is simply they just simply aren't good enough. They don't have enough talent around them, things like that, because there's plenty of teams around the league that you can simply say they don't have the right pieces in place. They don't have enough talent. Look at the Houston Texans right now. You look at uh, the Seattle Seahawks, and I can go all the way down the list. So, to me, that's at least a silver lining that the Raiders have lost close games. They weren't blowouts because you just said the three teams that they lost to combined in their other games is what? They're losing by what, 16 points a game? On average. Exactly. The Raiders aren't losing by 16 points. So I, I don't think if you if you totaled up all three of their losses, I don't even think it totals 16 total points that they've lost by in their three games. So to me, obviously it's not good. It needs to get fixed. There's no doubt about that. But if you're looking for a silver lining, Raider Nation, that is one that you can definitely take away. All right. Let me get uh, a read in here to keep our sponsor happy. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information. From live in-game betting, props, and futures, head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Stan, let's talk about your side of the field now. Played eight years in the NFL, cornerback. I mean, the Raiders clearly miss Denzel Perriman. Let's hope he's back Sunday against the Broncos, but. Stan, right now, I feel like other than Max Crosby, uh, I'll say Deron Harmon and Nate Hobbs, I don't really feel like this defense has a lot of playmakers. Well, that's why I've always said the Raiders should have addressed this secondary a lot more than they did this past offseason because look at what you just said. And that's why whenever you factor in Chandler Jones coming over from the Arizona Cardinals and having him be that that combination booking with the Max Crosby, they have to be playing at an all-pro all level to help out that secondary. They have to. And so far, they have not done that, and that's why you've seen the Raiders blow a lead versus the Arizona Cardinals. That's why you've seen them not be able to get off the field and not be able to stop Justin Herbert and the L.A. Chargers and so on and so on. So to me, that right there is why it all falls on Derek Carr's shoulders, knowing all of this, what you just said, D.A., that's why the Raiders have to put up more points definitely than what they've been doing if they want to get a W. Stan, I think I saw uh, Chandler Jones on a milk carton at the grocery store today when I went over there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Stan, he was losing reps to Clee Furl, and we didn't even know if he was going to make the team in training camp. I mean, 
What are you seeing or not seeing from Chandler Jones through these first three games? This is the longest stretch he's ever gone without a sack in his career. Well, what we're seeing is simply, what, how old is Chandler Jones? Let me 32. Exactly. That's what you're seeing. I, not that he can't play anymore. Not that he doesn't have anything left in the tank. It's just that the thing is, is that once you hit 30, a lot of times, especially for those types of positions that, that the wear and tear on your body is almost kind of like times two versus, let's say, maybe a DB who's not in the trenches, always hitting every single play, things like that. That's where you can still do it. It just takes your body longer to recover fast uh, as fast as it did back in your younger days. And that's why, like I said, once again, whenever you see a guy who's 30 plus, Good player. And his current team, who's, let's say, in the playoff hunt, contender, things like that, let that guy walk right out the front door. You got to ask yourself, why are they letting this guy walk away? So why did Arizona just let Chandler Jones walk away? That's something you got to ask yourself. So to me, I'm not really seeing anything that is completely unexpected just because Chandler Jones, he's had some injury issues over the years, no doubt about that. But as far as like having a sack every game, you know, he hasn't had that much in his career. Now, he has had years where he's really, really played at an elite level, but he hasn't done that a lot in his career for this to be a complete anomaly versus something that, okay, you know what? I lightly kind of maybe expected or at least in the same ballpark of the production that he's had through the first three games. You think he was more of a role player now, Stan, and we should be seeing him maybe on like obvious passing situations, which, you know, maybe just third down and, and, and Furl gets in there on first and second when it could be more of a running situation. I don't, I'm not sure if I would go ahead and deduce him all the way to a situational okay. pass rusher. I don't know if I would do that. I would go ahead and let the rest of the season, maybe I would say, let's say, let's wait through, let's, let's see how everything goes through October, through Halloween. Then we can go ahead and revisit that. But I think right now you come out the gate. I mean, come on, like we can go ahead and go down the sack list and we can see plenty of top notch guys or big names that haven't really made a splash yet so far in this season. So the season is still young. It's still early. It's only been three games. So that's why I would not, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far yet to just pull the plug and call him a situational pass rusher. I wouldn't disrespect him like that just yet. I, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, the Raiders defense has two sacks, both by Max Crosby. They also have two turnovers, and Nate Hobbs could be out this week because of a concussion. Not sure about the status yet of wide receiver Hunter Renfro, who missed last week's game uh, due to a concussion. Stan, one of the things that I found through the first three weeks of the Raider games, I don't find them to be as aggressive as I thought they, they were going to be with Josh McDaniels. And I want to get your thoughts on that because I go back to a point in the third quarter against the Titans game. You know, they started off the second half with a seven-minute drive that used up a timeout, and they just came away with three points. And later they got the ball after the Harmon interception on the 31-yard line at the Titans. And they went backward with a couple penalties. And on third and 18, they called a screen that lost two yards, and they ended up punting. Are you seeing an aggressive offense like you thought you were going to see with McDaniels? Or what exactly are you seeing from the offense concerns you? Well, yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing a little bit more conservative conservative than I expected. But also at the same time, that's where we don't exactly know if Derek Carr is switching out of some of these plays. If he's audibling, if he simply is just simply not letting it rip, he's not pulling the trigger and allowing that ball to go ahead and fly down the field on certain plays where somebody may be the top target or somebody may, may be the number one read. So we don't exactly know. But to me, yeah, I would say that 
based on a lot of the exotic calls, the uh, the futuristic, some of the 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 colorful type of design, the wizardry that we saw from days in New England now, albeit Tom Brady was quarterback. I think that uh, we haven't seen that carry over to the Sin City or out in the desert at Allegiant Stadium. We haven't. So that's why, like I said, uh, it definitely seems like it's a lot to be desired within this offense. Do the red zone issues fall back on Carr? Because, I mean, we basically have the same players uh, we did from a year ago, obviously the addition of, of Adams, but the but the red zone struggles continue even with Josh McDaniels and, and this new coaching staff. So, Stan, how, how does that get? What is the fix to that? What is the remedy to to to, to turn field goals into touchdowns? Because if they do that, execution. they can very well be three and zero instead of zero and three. Execution. That's what it comes down to. You got to execute. Linemen have to block the running backs. You got to make people miss and, and receivers. You got to be able to find a way to, to find the soft spot or beat your man coverage in the red zone. You have to, there's no doubt about it. And it just comes down to execution. You're already able to get inside the red zone. So now you just got to go ahead and finish it up, finish it off. And that's where it comes down to execution. I think that's the name of the game of critical downs who wins in the red zone. Oftentimes will win the game. If you turn more touchdowns rather than field goals. And I think that, it just comes down to execution. Maybe we can go and say, go ahead and say play calling, but execution from top to bottom, that to me is the key to turn the touch the field goals into touchdowns. Well, this Sunday, the Raiders uh, host the Denver Broncos and stand that one stingy defense, giving up just around 10 points a game. Uh, Patrick Sertan, certainly one of the best corners in the game. Bradley Chubb, I believe has three sacks on the year. The Broncos ranked third in total defense, third in passing yards. Sixth in rushing defense. How do the Raiders attack them? I mean, I've seen them play a couple times, and this is a one very good defense. Oh, you talking about Denver's defense? Yes, <laughs> of course they're good. I think that uh, they're going to have to be able to protect Carr. That's number one. I think they're going to have to be able to establish the run. That way, they can go ahead and try to loosen up that secondary, and then they're going to have to go ahead and 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 trust Devontae Adams to be able to get off against Patrick Sertain or Ronald Darby or any of those guys in the back end. Justin Simmons playing at a elite level, just like he did last year. So they're going to have to go ahead and and it's going to have to be a full team affair as far as offensive line are going to have to. They're going to have to protect Carr. They're going to, and Derek Carr is going to have to make sure that he protects the football and not put it in harm's way. Devontae Adams has to have a big day, but I think they got to be able to establish the run early. That way, it can help open up the pass. You know, Stan, I mean, look at uh, Josh Jacobs' numbers. I mean, he's averaging well over four yards of carries. He's not getting a lot of yards. I mean, a lot of carries every game, excuse me. Is it because the Raiders are playing from behind, or is it just Josh McDaniels has fallen in love with the pass? I think a lot of it uh, is probably a little bit twofold, where, you know, when you get down early or you're, or you're down, obviously we see the uh, week three against the Titans. When you're down, Obviously, you got to bend in the run. You just kind of have to because you got to get back into the game. But uh, I think we we look at New England, and New England could run the ball. There were some games where they obviously uh, were heavy on the run, but predominantly, Josh McDaniels is an offensive coordinator, so he likes to throw the ball, pass the ball. So that's why when you ask that question, I think Josh McDaniels is always going to lean more, or he's going to just by default curve to the pass more so than he will the run. Stan, do you think Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson? That's a tough question, and I simply say that because Russell Wilson, if we take away the Super Bowl, Legion of Boom, if we take away the Legion of Boom, which means we take away that Super Bowl, 
Do we have as high regard, high reverence for Russell Wilson if we take away the Super Bowl, which a lot of that had to do with the Legion of Boom? I'll ask you that. I, I think we do because I think, and I understand what you're saying, but they have had some bad Is the reverence as high? Is the reverence as high? See, I'm a fan of Russell Wilson's. I always have been because I always thought they had a bad offensive lineup there in Seattle, no running game. And I thought uh, their play calling, Pete Carroll's play calling, kind of put the handcuffs on him. And I thought he rallied the Seahawks a lot of times for uh, late victories up there. So, you know, I still think he's, you know, coming into this year, I still thought he was one of the elite quarterbacks. Obviously, that offense has struggled. I think they're averaging maybe around, you know, 10, 12 points a game. They're not putting up a lot of uh, huge numbers on the scoreboard. So, that was my question to you. Is it just, is it a new system with him? Or you just think maybe, you know, it's Russell is not Russell what he used to be in Seattle. I think that uh, Russell Wilson obviously is a great quarterback. There's no doubt about that. But I do believe that if you go and you actually really look at Russell Wilson and you take away the Super Bowl, I don't think you look at Russell Wilson with his high regard. I don't think you look at him as high as you would right now currently, because that's where the expectations come from. Played in two Super Bowls early in his career, won one of them, almost won a second one if it wasn't for the Malcolm Butler interception. So to me, that right there, if we take that away, we take away those two Super Bowl appearances, which much of it was led, it was ignited by the Legion of Boom. If we take that away, we still look at him as a very talented quarterback, no doubt about that. But I don't think we look at him rating him as high. Thus, we won't feel underwhelmed by his performances thus far right now with the Denver Broncos. That's all I'm simply getting at. Stan, let me ask you this. If you're inside the late Raiders locker room what, and you're one of the leaders of this team, what are you saying to your teammates not to let this thing spiral completely out of control? Like you said, look, you're 0-3. The chances of them making the playoffs, uh, you know, if you look at the history, is not very high. I believe it's probably less than 5%. But, I mean, there's still, like you said, still a lot of time. There's still 14 games left in for some reason, the AFC West doesn't seem as daunting uh, as it did, you know, before the season or the offseason. So what what would you be telling your teammates right now? Oh, man, just don't let go of the rope. Uh, don't give up and uh, just keep this thing going because obviously we, we stubbed our toe coming out the gate. We did, no doubt about that. But we're 0-3. I would see the Houston Texans 2019 start off the year 0-3, wound up making the playoffs, and they won nine straight games. And then by the – after the third quarter of the season, they're sitting at nine and three, not 0 and three. So obviously we see that uh, things can happen. Things can turn around. And when we look at the AFC West right now, the Kansas City Chiefs are, what's their record? Two and yeah, one. Two and one, correct? Yep. We look at the Denver Broncos. They're two and one. The Los Angeles Chargers are one and two. We get a W this week. We're now one and three. The Denver Broncos will be two and two. The Chargers, who knows what's going to happen. But we can see already the Chargers are still a little bit the Chargers where yep. they make mistakes and they don't know how to close out games. And then the Chiefs just lost to the Indianapolis Colts, who got blown out by the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> the week before that and, and and simply could not beat the Houston Texans in week one. So this thing is far from over. Obviously, the 0-3, the, what is it, like – 8% chance of going 0-3 and, and being able to make the playoffs or whatever the percentage is. It's low. We know it's that. Low. I think I think that right there is more of the the boogeyman factor more so than when you actually look at the landscape of the league. For crying out loud, right now, who's the best team in the AFC? The Miami Dolphins. 
<laughs> so just off of that alone, it just goes to show that I don't, I don't think this thing is, is a far, I don't think this thing is even close to being over, but definitely, definitely this week against the Denver Broncos, a divisional game, you have to turn it around right now. Cause you go, Oh, and four. Oh man. Lights out. That that's when things are going to really get ugly around the facility. Dan, you were playing for the Raiders under Al Davis. Mark had a closed-door meeting uh, reportedly with Josh McDaniels after the Titans game. What do you make of that? Oh, I think uh, you know what the hell to make of that, <laughs> DA. Uh, do I think that uh, Josh McDaniels is going to get fired this week? No, I don't. I don't think that. But obviously, Mark Davis is not happy. There's a lot that he's seen on the football field that's not happy. And I'll take this back. I'll take this back to about a month ago. and. We, we come to find out that the Raiders allowed the New England Patriots to use their facility when the New England Patriots were in Vegas having the joint practice with the Raiders, then played them in the preseason, things like that. That right there is, to me, and I said this to you, you mess around here and you come out the gate lagging behind. Players will go back to that moment because most players will not agree with letting another team use their facility. They just won't do that. So if you come out the gate, you're 3-0 and like the Miami Dolphins. Okay, you're like, okay, well, you know what? Maybe he was on to something. Maybe he knew something we didn't. And apparently his, 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 his mindset, apparently his train of thought is working because we're 3-0, and but you're 0-3. That's where you start to doubt everything. That's where now you look back and you think back to, you know what? I remember back in OTAs, you know, coach had us doing wind sprints after practice. And you know what? It's little things like that. It's probably why we're losing because clearly he doesn't know what he's doing. His guidance, his tutelage is obviously going in the wrong direction. So I go back to that moment in August. I guarantee you there's players that are right now in this locker room, in that locker room, looking around thinking, man, I'm not sure he's the right guy for the job, or I'm not sure that he knows what he's doing because even back in August, we let another team use our facility. So I think that uh, you'll see things like that starting starting to creep in as far as in the locker room, as far as losing the team. That's why, like I said, they sorely need a win this week against the Denver Broncos because you, you go 0-4, there's a 94% chance you're going to lose the team. All right, let's take or, a look. I'm sorry, lose, lose, the, lose the locker room. I'm sorry. Sure. Let's take a look at now some numbers in Sunday's game. All right, let's play the over-under game, Stan. Derek Carr, 250 passing yards against that tough Bronco defense. Under. Yeah, I think I'm going to go under with you. I think he does over over 200, yeah. somewhere in between 200 and 250. How about this one? Josh Jacobs, yeah. 80 rushing yards. Mm, you know, I'm going to go over. I don't know why, but I'm going to go over. I don't know why, DA. I'm going to go over. Well, I'm, I'm going to go over also. It kind of goes back to the point you made, and I kind of made it as well. The Raiders, when they run the ball, they can run it effectively, and I think if they stay with it, Stan, then they maybe can control the clock. You know? And, oh, and, yeah. Uh-huh. So, so, I don't know. I think they're going to stick with the ground game a little bit more this week, and I do think uh, I'm going to go over with Josh Jacobs. All right, Stan. The Raiders average 21 points a game. I'm going to give you the over-under at 16 because the Broncos' defense only gives up around 10 points a game. Yeah, yeah they do. So what's the <laughs> over-under again? I'm going to go 16. What do you think? Mm, you know, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why, but I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over. I don't see the Raiders just scoring 16 points. I'm, I'm going to say over. 
All right. I'm going to, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go somewhere between 17 and 20. That's uh, I'll say that. (laughs) Hopefully that hopefully somewhere in that neighborhood is going to be enough uh, to get the Raiders a win. All right, Stan, the Raiders, I mentioned earlier, they have two sacks this season. Russell Wilson has been sacked nine times through the first three games. I'm not, so sure that the uh, Broncos offensive line is really much better than the Raiders offensive line. Let's go Raiders defense, two sacks, match their season total over under. I would say I really want to give it a push. (laughs) That's what I really want to do. Uh, But, uh, but just, you know, obviously for the sake of this question, let's go ahead and say, let's go ahead and say over. I don't think that uh, they're going to go and simply be on the schneid. I don't think that they're going to be, where it seems like they're allergic to getting after the quarterback. They can't be like that all season. I think they're going to go ahead. They're going to have a bounce back game. They're going to get after Russell Wilson. All right. I'm going to go over as well. I'm going to go three since Denver, like I said, has given up nine. It's time the Raiders defense breaks out and picks up three sacks, uh, one more than their already season total. All right, Stan, need a prediction from you now. Mm, Okay. I'm going to think with my heart on this one. I'm going to say Oakland – Las Vegas Raiders. I still I don't know why I still say Oakland. Uh, I'm gonna say Las Vegas Raiders, 24. I'm gonna say Denver Broncos, 21. Okay, I don't think it's gonna be that high scoring of the game. I think Josh McDaniels wants a little revenge against his old team. I, I think the Raiders. Oh yeah. I said, oh, you know, I said over 16. Okay, I'm gonna say the Raiders put up 20. I, and Denver's offense has showed me nothing so far. I mean, they scored what 16, 16, and then 11. Two of those were on a safety. Mm-hmm. I think the Raiders are going to win, like you. I'm going with my heart. I'm going 20-14. to And let's hope they pick up their first win of the season, get off this schneid. (laughs) Because look, at Stan, if they don't don't beat Denver, they're going to go 0-5 because they're not going to win at Kansas City the following Monday night. They're not. And at that point in the season, it's like the Titanic, man. It it is. It it really is. So let's hope. Let's hope that uh, we're picking with our hearts and, and, and our predictions are going to be right. Uh, what game are you doing this weekend? Oh, let me see here. This weekend, actually, no, I don't have a game this weekend. You got to buy? Yeah, I got to buy. I got to buy this weekend, yes. And who are the Houston Cougars playing this weekend? The Houston Cougars are playing, gosh, Tulane. Is it a home game? Yeah, it's going to be a big game. Yes, it's home game. It'll be on ESPN, so it's going to be a uh, very big game. Yeah, ESPN, Tulane, Friday night, 6 o'clock Central Time, so 4 o'clock your time. All right. How are you feeling about it? Oh, man, uh, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, Tulane, they got a really high powered offense, a quarterback, uh, definitely uh, one of the best in the league or should I say around around the country. Uh, He can run. uh, He can throw. He anticipates windows opening, things like that. I really enjoy watching him play. And I think that uh, after this season, I think a lot of people are going to be knowing his name, last name Pratt. Uh, number seven, and I think ultimately he has a certain attitude about himself. He carries himself with a certain level of respectable arrogance. Uh, obviously, respects his opponent, but he believes in himself. And, and me as a football player, I love seeing players who have that level of confidence. I think you have to, especially when you're leading the team, being the quarterback. So it's definitely going to be a good game. I'm looking for the Cougars to come out victorious, but it's definitely going to be uh, fun to watch. All right. Well, best of luck to our Raiders. Best of luck to your Cougs. Thank and you. That's going to do it for another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast presented by Bet Online. For my partner, Stanford Route, I'm Dennis Sackerman. May all your punts find the coffin corner.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.